You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. President Trump refuses to participate in a virtual debate with Joe Biden, as he won't be able to interrupt him as much. Clearly, he's never taken part in a work Zoom call, 90% of which consist of confused old people talking over each other. Boris Johnson claims in his conference speech that Britain is currently more united than it has been for decades, which in a way is true, as more and more of the country are agreeing day by day that his government hasn't got a fucking clue what it's doing. Rishi Sunak suggests that those working in the arts should retrain for other jobs. And in completely unrelated news, you can find the link to our Patreon account in the podcast description. And finally, Asda launch a drive-through flu jab service, meaning they're now subjecting customers to an uncomfortable prick in person, as well as in their TV adverts. Pocket up, pocket up. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to another episode of IC News. You're joining us for the start of Season 2, which means we've now beheaded your favourite character, and for the immediate future, it's all Joffrey all the time. Just as a heads up though, here in the real world, it turns out that the sociopathic narcissist at the head of a bankrupt dynasty doesn't die humiliated and struggling for breath. Turns out that 2020 just doesn't get the fairy tale ending we all deserve. We accidentally picked a pretty fucking monumental week or so to take a short break from the news cycle, so let's summarise everything that's happened as concisely as possible with this noise. (laughs) It's been a certifiably insane few days, and the biggest story of them all was undeniably the news that President Trump himself contracted coronavirus and was quickly rushed to hospital at Walter Reed. The media circus was absolutely bonkers, and given Typhoid Donny's regular refusal to follow his own government's Covid guidelines, utterly inevitable. While Republicans rushed to condemn the President's many, many ill wishes, the President himself sought to spread the infected milk of human kindness by treating just about everybody around him with utter contempt. First, he subjected his own Secret Service agents to a hot box of his own viral load during a bizarre motorcade stunt around the hospital. Then he rushed back to the White House to touch as many doorknobs as he could with his plague-riddled and tiny hands, in blatant contradiction of his own administration's quarantine guidance, and despite a blossoming outbreak at the White House that continues to rip through his staffers. If you thought Donald Trump was bad before, this is now quite literally Donald Trump on steroids. The world hasn't been treated to the undignified sight of an elderly, bright orange, roid-raging racist wiping his dick on the towel of America since Hulk Hogan's sex tape leaked. It feels like a century ago now, but just before his diagnosis and hospitalisation, we finally got to see Donald Trump and Joe Biden go head-to-head in the first presidential debate. 
It went about as well as you could expect, but the single most shocking moment was undeniably the one in which the president was asked outright to denounce white supremacists in general and the far-right Proud Boys movement specifically. Now, you might think that being asked to condemn a borderline criminal gang of neo-fascist thugs would be an open goal of a PR opportunity for a sitting president, but instead, Trump told them to stand back and stand by. But just who are the Proud Boys, and what sort of person is attracted to their cause? We now go live to Thad, not his real name, who defines himself as a third-degree Proud Boy and supporter of Donald Trump. Thad has told us that by appearing on the show, he risks being doxxed by militant Antifa terrorists, whatever those are, so we're going to be running his voice through several filters in order to protect his identity. First of all, Thad, thanks for joining us. Hi, Sam. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> okay. Um, Thad, I think over here in the UK in particular, not everyone is overly familiar with the Proud Boys as a group. Perhaps you could start by explaining what it is you stand for. Certainly. I'd be proud to. We're a fraternity of real men who refuse to apologise for the part masculinity and Western culture has played in creating the modern world. What's that noise? Uh, nothing. Sorry, Thad. It's uh, probably just a bit of distortion on the line. Um, you call yourself a third degree proud boy. What does that? What does that mean exactly? It's very simple. <laughs> As a brotherhood, we undergo an initiation process just like any other fraternity. The first degree is a pledge of our loyalty to the cause. <laughs> the second is a hazing process where the prospect is punched repeatedly and asked pop culture questions. <laughs> Personally, I had to name five breakfast cereals as my brothers beat down on me. That's how I confirmed my ascension into the second degree. That's um, <coughs> that's that's remarkably infantile and ridiculous. And what about the uh, the third degree? For the third degree, we get a tattoo and pledge not to masturbate. <laughs> why why are you laughing? <laughs> Sorry, that um that that wasn't a joke. Proud boys actually have to promise not to masturbate. It used to be masturbating altogether, but now we are simply limited to one release per calendar month. Right, uh, wow. That, um, that helps you to stand back and stand by, does it? We are always primed to unload on our opponents on the radical left. Oh, I bet you are. Uh, look, there's obviously been a lot of news since that first presidential debate, and since Trump first addressed the Proud Boys, he's tried to walk back his comments and has now denounced white supremacists. Has that impacted in any way on how you feel about him? Of course not. Trump is obviously never going to be able to praise us out white. I'm, I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Praise us out white? <laughs> How can he when the mainstream media is full of libtards, cucks and simps? They're in the pocket of terrorists like Antifa and agitators like Black Lives Matter. <laughs> sorry, who? <laughs> Black Lives Matter! Right, so, but how do you, sorry, how do you feel about being labelled as a white supremacist? The Proud Boys have never been white supremacists, Sam. Our chairman is Cuban. We have members from all races, many of whom are named Tom and are proud brothers and uncles. Yeah, but you've marched with white supremacists in the past, at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville and countless other places, and the social media network Parler is certainly an absolute cesspit of self-proclaimed Proud Boys spouting anti-black racism as well as anti-Semitic bile and conspiracy theory. If you choose to march with Nazis and align yourself with Nazis... I resent being 
labeled the Nazi. I'm merely a proud Republican and patriot. Sorry, you're what? I'm a proud Republican and patriot. <laughs> I'm a soldier on the front line. Right. Travelling hundreds of miles to incite violence at generally peaceful protests makes you a soldier. And the Proud Boys recruited you, presumably, in much the same way any other legitimate military force would. Exactly. Which was how? They contacted me after I racially abused a 12-year-old on Call of Duty online. Yeah, having looked into it, they do seem to pretty much exclusively recruit angry young white men from suburban areas. Have you heard the term incel before, Thad? I am not even going to dignify that with a response. Yeah, I can see why. It's probably quite awkward having to acknowledge that the Proud Boys as an organisation prey on and radicalise disenfranchised young men just like any other violent criminal gang. Then let's change tack entirely and uh, talk about the time that Gavin McInnes, the founder of your movement, inserted a butt plug into his own anus on his radio show. In order to demonstrate owning the whips, yes! That, uh, that didn't strike you as a singularly confusing moment, then? Okay, Sam. Kevin McGuinness is no longer directly associated with the Proud Boys. I have to say, though, he owned the libs very convincingly. If I was going to start owning the libs, I'd, I think I'd probably have to start with a much smaller gauge of butt plug. It was almost like he'd done it before, which is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of, by the way. A bit like the state of the Proud Boys Twitter hashtag at the moment. Wouldn't you agree, Thad? You know what? Your attitude is fucking typical of the radical West and the allies in the mainstream media. You can shut us down and try and drown us out as much as you like. But the fact remains that we are the true voice of America. <laughs> yeah, it's depressingly sad. I think to some extent at least you might actually be right. And may I just say before we part ways that your voice is in absolutely no way a total fucking embarrassment to listen to. Well, thank you, Sam. That level of respect is all the Proud Boys ask for and all that we deserve. <laughs> From one set of clueless cunts expecting their burgeoning autocracy to shield their own terminal inadequacies from the wider public to another, this week here in Britain we were treated to the Conservative Party conference. It was full of trademark Tory bluster, but one particular highlight was the sight of everyone's least favourite Home Secretary invoking the sort of snarlingly puerile anti-lefty trolling usually reserved for angry teenage masturbators on 4chan. Pretty Patel once again pledged her determination to reform the UK's asylum system. However, all of her rhetoric about a fairer and more humane approach was somewhat undermined by stories that broke throughout the week about some of the frankly ridiculous and inhuman options she'd been exploring as part of her not-quite-final solution. Immigration is as hot-button a political issue on plenty of worlds throughout the multiverse as it is here on Earth Prime, so this week we gave the key to the dimensional gate to a journalist with the guts to ask the tricky questions about where our own system could be heading. This is everyday average woman with a heart of gold, Jade Fernley. Hello everybody, I'm Jade Fernley. Proud Yorkshire lass, hard-working mother of three who'd do anything for her boys, and owner of a dozen Yankee candles that are far too nice to ever actually light. 
I just like having them, all right. And I put them out on my reclaimed driftwood shelves so that when that snooty bitch Sandra comes round, she can see that I'm primed and poised to spark up a king-size coastal living whenever I fucking please. But I'm also so much more than my lads and my candles and my enthusiastic participation in a bath bomb-based pyramid scheme. I'm also a patriot. A patriot who is worried about the future of this country. As a result, I'll do all I can to make sure that my children are growing up in the sort of Britain that I want to see. One that's compassionate and inclusive, but also fair and firm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fucking hell! That were a bad one. It's the first ferry back for you, sunshine. Better luck next time. Of course, I'm not the only one who's been worried about the direction Britain's headed in for the past few years. There's loads of people just like me who didn't want to see our great country sold down the river to the Marxists and the communists, who didn't want a scruffy old vegetarian representing us. What use have I got for a trade union? (laughs) I'm a self-made businesswoman. I don't want handouts or benefits. I just want my extended family and the people I went to school with to sign up and buy a bath bomb. And then they in turn get their friends and family to sign up and buy a bath bomb. And then I get a percentage. You see, we've moved on from all that unpleasant collectivism in my part of the North. That's why we voted for Boris. He and I are basically the same. He understands economics just as well as I do and he loves this country. And just like me, he loves it far too much to see it flooded with undesirables. Ah. Oh, and it's off the fucking spinner he goes. Face first into the overhead beam. (laughs) Sorry, lad, you've not got the points and you're not getting in. As a proud member of the new Blue Wall, I watched that Conservative conference this week and it filled my heart with pride. It was lovely to hear from Pretty Patel. She is speaking my language, which is more than can be said for half of them round here. It's about time our politicians stood up and said what we're all thinking about immigration. The system's not fit for purpose. It's not fair either which is why the government are absolutely right to explore all the options, nice and fair options, like a brutally restrictive points-based system that would exclude thousands of our essential healthcare workers, or shipping asylum seekers off to Ascension Island, or holding them on disused ferries and oil platforms like we're taking part in some sort of racist, dystopian Fort Boyard. Pretty Patel is absolutely right. Far right, in fact. For far too long now, our asylum system has been exploited by do-gooder lefty lawyers engaging in nasty activism. Honestly, who do they think they are, using the proper channels of our legal system to force our government to obey its own laws? The old pigging system needs reforming so that the poor innocent refugees aren't left waiting in hotel rooms for months before we send them packing. That sort of limbo's just cruel, isn't it? 
And I'm just going to say it because nobody else will. I don't see why escaping a war zone created by British foreign policy should automatically entitle you to several weeks' worth of our complimentary breakfasts. Now that's a fucking ten-pointer! Oh, straight off the monkey bars, sternum straight into the edge of the platform and a desperate rotating flail all the way down to the sea. God, I love immigration! Pretty Patel's speech were exactly what I needed to hear. I needed to know that the Conservatives I voted for has my country's best interests at heart. And nothing says Britain's best interests better than regressive immigration policies that demonise refugees. I weren't put off by the stories about processing centres on oil rigs and far-off islands. In fact, for me, Ascension Island isn't firm or fair enough. That's why I've come here, to Earth Echo Zulu. Actually, no Zulus, please, 18. This Earth is very similar to ours, but the timeline's a few years further into the future. Here, the entertainment industry were also absolutely fucked by the pandemic. Just like back home on Earth Prime, Rishi Sunak left it to die like the lovely liberal cesspit we all know it to be. That were all part of plan. Because Pretty Patel, in this reality, is an even more unhinged visionary than the one we've got back home. Here, the shortest route we've got over the British Channel has been turned into one big ninja warrior course. If you can make the full one first time, you hit the buzzer at the end and you win the right to apply for asylum. As if that wasn't firm or fair enough, you also win five grand, paid for out of the TV rights to your spectacular run to freedom. TV rights that are worth billions now, seeing as how the arts have all been otherwise wiped out. That five grand then immediately pays for your first four months in a hotel as you wait for your claim to be processed. Unfortunately, they still take fucking ages for no good reason. If I didn't know any better, I think the Tories only want the theatre of cruelty to appeal to their base. And they aren't actually that interested in fixing the actual flaws in the system. Fucking hell, this one's gonna make it! He's made it across the balancing beam and the spinning discs. He's over the monkey bars. He's dodged the water cannons. Fuck, he's going for it! He's on the final ramp. And... Oh, no. What a shame. Oh. And probably for the best, really. With skills like that, you just can't be too sure what sort of training camp they learned it all, you know. I'm Jade Fernley, and I'm definitely not a racist. I just like watching refugees fall 30 feet into the sea. You know, like a patriot. Reporting for IC News. Here, back home on Earth Prime, it became apparent this week that immigration is not the only paddle that Boris Johnson's government will be dipping in and out of the water as it tries to steer Britain's raft down the lazy river of authoritarianism. There's a distinctly worrying pattern emerging with regard to some of the bills that have been moving through Parliament recently, and what's been even more worrying is just how sluggishly Keir Starmer's Labour have been moving to respond to them. 
Over the last few weeks, we've had the Overseas Operations Bill and the Covert Human Intelligence Services Bill, both of which have, in their current form, a relationship with human rights abuses that could be best described as it's complicated. Now, undercover work is inevitably messy and complicated in itself, and it's perfectly reasonable to suggest clear legal guidelines ought to be in place to cover the actions of operatives working to protect the citizenry of the British state. The problem is that the Covert Human Intelligence Services Bill, as it presently stands, suggests there should be no legal limit whatsoever on just how far said operatives can go when breaking the law in the course of their duties. To discuss the bill, and to give some insight into the murky world of covert intelligence gathering, we now go to our own undercover correspondent, Danny Sutcliffe. Hi, Sam. Now, Danny, you've been undercover for the network in all sorts of situations over the last year or so. It makes sense that at times, agents and officers seeking to prevent terrorist attacks and protect the nation are going to have to cross lines they wouldn't otherwise have crossed when working undercover. You have to win trust and establish a credibility, and in the context of criminal or extremist groups, that inevitably means demonstrating the willingness to engage in criminal and extreme action. So what's different about this bill? Different from what, mate? I'm not sure what you're getting at. Well, understandable breaches of the law made in the pursuit of preventing a greater atrocity. This bill, in its current form, unless it's drastically amended as it moves through Parliament, essentially places no limits on the illegal behaviour officers working undercover can engage in, and it provides them blanket protection from all civil liabilities they might otherwise be facing as a result of that behaviour. Well, yeah. If you're undercover, you're allowed to do anything. That's why it's such a mint job. Right, and... You realise that I'm talking about government agents and police officers here, right? As an undercover journalist, you're certainly not covered by the same protections. Yes, mate, of course. I get what you're saying. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Don't worry about all the cocaine you take when you're at work. No, Danny, not nudge, nudge, wink, wink. In fact, even when it comes to law enforcement, which you are definitely not, and the justifiable purpose of preventing terrorist atrocities... The powers offered by this bill are far too broad and deeply concerning. In fact, it goes so far as to name safeguarding the interests of the economic well-being of the UK as one of the potential justifications for illegal conduct by undercover operatives. That potentially puts trade unions and climate action groups firmly in the sights of law enforcement. Haven't trade unions and hippies always been disproportionately targeted by undercover agents of the state, though? What, so you're fine with the government essentially granting carte blanche for undercover operatives to commit rape, then? Whoa! Fucking hell, pal! When did I say anything about rape? That's a giant fuck of a leap and no mistake. Well, it's protected legally by this bill. You can't possibly give consent to a man who doesn't actually exist. And if you solicit sex by coercion and manipulation, and sexual relationships have demonstrably been used to leverage information by agents of the state in the past, what else would you call it? Fucking hell, mate. Bit light on the laughs, this bit, isn't it? Well, you're probably right about that, but when the government is attempting to pass bills that actively seek to decriminalise acts of violence against a potentially broad swathe of political and activist groups, ranging far beyond the scope of preventing acts of violent terrorism, it's kind of difficult to be funny about it. I'm a bit too preoccupied with being utterly fucking appalled. It's a bit grim, isn't it? Sounds like it's potentially open season on human rights abuses. I take it Labour are opposing this, though, right? Not exactly. Keir Starmer whipped MPs to abstain on the bill on the basis they need to fight to amend it in its later stages. He's clearly calculated that outright opposition of it at this point isn't politically expedient. What? Exactly like he did with the Overseas Operations Bill the other week? Yeah. 
Bit weird, isn't it? I wonder why Keir Starmer isn't more opposed to agents of the Conservative state infiltrating left-wing Labour movements. Oh, fucking hell, Danny, don't go there. I could do without the comments section. Right you are, mate. Um, did you actually want me for anything this week, or was I just a sounding board for you to go off on one? No, it's fine. Just get back to whatever it was you were doing. Well, I was getting coked off me tits at Monty Don's house, but you kind of harshed me buzz now. Hang on, why are you undercover at Monty Don's house? I'm not. This is me week off. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, and in a minute, me and the Don are going to take our shirts off and kick the fuck out of each other in the Petunias, reporting for IC News. Jesus Christ. That's probably enough news for this week. The way things are currently going, it'll all be horribly out of date by 12pm Sunday when the next wave of the apocalypse hits anyway. We leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Lawrence Fox launches his own political party, and its first policy appears to be to call everyone who disagrees with him a pedo, which is somehow still a better platform than anything Change UK managed. A fly lands on the head of Mike Pence during the vice president's debate and stays there for two minutes, having been attracted to him by his particularly potent stink of bullshit. David Attenborough calls for a curbing of excess capitalism in order to save the planet. Following the government's new educational guidelines about extremism, teachers showing planet Earth on the TV on the last day of term will now be marched out into the car park and shot. And finally, a New Orleans priest has been charged with obscenity after being caught having sex with two dominatrices on the altar of his church. After serving his sentence, the Catholic Church will be asking him to train other priests on how to have sex with consenting adults. You've been listening to Icy News. Thank you, and goodbye. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.